The Zone is presented by Guaranteed Foods, delivering all natural food to Midwestern families since 1958. Enjoy healthier food, more free time, free delivery, and better value. Go to GuaranteedFoods.com. Rolling on to the zone here today, Joshua Briscoe, Dylan Michaels with you. Jason Anderson will be back tomorrow, but we still have the privilege of talking to Adam Teicher of ESPN, brought to you by Twin Peaks. Step up your lunch game at Twin Peaks. Enjoy light yet hearty combos put together for you, available at an awesome price, featuring savory soups, crisp salads, and a variety of sandwiches to satisfy your every craving. Enjoy your next lunch break with Twin Peaks. Adam, the first and most important question is, how are you enjoying your lunch break up there in Indianapolis? It's combine season. That uh, that really came up quick this year. Yeah, it did. And I'm actually not in Indianapolis. Whoa. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I have not gone to the combine in the last few years just because uh, the value in it. The Chiefs pick at the end of the round every every year, right? So yep. uh, the value of going to the Combine just isn't, for me, what it used to be. So uh, maybe if the Chiefs start losing a few more games, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll start heading to Indy again. But right now, uh, I, I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of value in it for me. No, I totally understand. I, I'm sorry. I thought that you had uh, made the trick. One of the first things I was going to ask you about is something you can still answer now, I guess, which is what is a value at the Combine at this point? Because we were talking yesterday uh, with Verderam, who was on his way out there. There, and we kind of agreed that the the value, especially from the media side, has been decreasing over the years at the Combine, which obviously is kind of reflected in the ability to cover it from home right now. Yeah, and, you know, the last time I went was before the Combine, uh, before COVID, and um, I don't know whether it was the year before. I, I, it was right around the time of COVID or maybe the last one before COVID. At, at any rate, I just remember – just being there and going, what am I doing here? Like, what? <laughs> this is like, I, I, I can basically do what I need to do from home when I'm here. So, uh, yeah, it's not what it used to be. And um, I hate to be one of those guys who talks about how it was in the old days. But, uh, you know, it, it definitely was more of more value for me personally. And uh, so, uh we take that money, hopefully, and use it for other things during the off season, some other projects I've got going. And also, the the Chiefs have had so many off season things going on uh, in the very yeah. short off seasons these last several years that that makes a lot of sense. Um, one, but then the last kind of big picture combine thing is: Do you have a feel for what the team is actually looking for there? I mean, we, we talk about the meetings and the medicals and maybe the measurements. I don't know if you want the three M's or or how much that matters. <laughs> but but has that evolved for the teams as much as it's evolved for you as a reporter? No, I think it's still valuable for the teams. I mean, you, you you always hear them talk about their meetings with guys at the combine or other places, and and uh, you know that's where they can solidify a lot of things in their mind. They can ask guys questions. Hey, why'd you do this on a certain play? Or just kind of get to know the guy and and. Uh, um, so I, I think um, the combine is uh, valuable. Maybe not so much the testing and all that, just because they can get that if they're not there. But um, the face-to-face stuff, I think, is is of great value for the Chiefs and, and really most of the teams. 
Let's talk about a couple of guys uh, on the coaching side for the Chiefs. Got some news from a, a former Chief uh, major major cog in the machine and a report on uh, Andy Reid and Brett Veach. But starting with Eric Bieniemy, he ends up landing yeah. in UCLA, associate head coach and offensive coordinator. Um, we talked about it quite a bit yesterday. I've got some thoughts I kind of want to run by you. But what did you see when, when you saw that news come down that Eric Bieniemy was heading to UCLA? Yeah, not surprising that, um, you know, he had to go to college to get a job like that because uh, the NFL just passed him by in, in, in this year's cycle. And uh, kind of sad to see. I, I think he'd rather be in the NFL than in college, but um, I think he'll do a good job at UCLA. I'm looking forward to seeing how it works out for him there. Kind of sad and feeling like it had passed him by is, is where I ended up, too, because Man, I, I understand why he ended up doing the the lateral yeah. and, and frankly the backwards lateral move of of Chiefs OC to Washington's OC with a little bit of a title bump, but a, a drop in quarterback play and surroundings, and obviously Ron Rivera gets fired at the end of the year. This this to me it, it bums me out because he spent more time in the role that that Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson had either of them and and didn't get that opportunity. Is is this going to be the the path back to the NFL? If you had to guess right now, or is is the enemy? Is the is the thought that he'll find his home at that collegiate level? Oh, I think he'll get a job in the NFL again at some point, and maybe even next year, assuming he wants it. I mean, it might be a running backs coach uh, position. So, if he wants to be a coordinator, I, I don't know. That's then, then it becomes a more difficult question. Um, I, I don't know what the future holds for him. And then, you, you know, you look in um, as far as a head coaching job, which was obviously his ultimate goal, man, he's getting to be that age where you start – guys don't get looks as first-time head coaches when they're, you know, in their late 50s. So um, I feel bad for him. I, I wish it worked out better for him, but um, I, I'm not sure it's going to in terms of the, the – at least in terms of the head coaching thing. Yeah, that's that's kind of a bummer, but also I think probably about right. Um, in in Chiefs coaching news and uh, Brett Veach news as well, Tom Pelissero had the report uh, yesterday morning, I think it was, uh, that, that Andy Reid and the Chiefs are, are to open contract extension talks uh, that would make Andy Reid the highest paid coach in the NFL. Certainly that would be earned. Uh, is that what it will take to get Andy Reid retirement rumors moved to the back burner, or are we just going to do that every February regardless? Um, I think he's getting to that age where he, he's kind of acknowledged it, that he's getting to that age where you start wondering, you know, and, and he's been doing this for a while. And so you, I, I think those those questions are natural. And, and from our end of things, they need to be asked. Uh, you know, people are curious. And uh, so I, I don't know that it's necessarily even a long-term contract is going to do that because, as we know, he can walk away from that any time he wants. He's not bound by that. He can't coach for another team, but he can certainly walk away from football if that's what he wanted to do. So, um, yeah, I uh, I don't think that if that's what the Chiefs are, are trying to accomplish and he's trying to accomplish by putting an end to those questions, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, I, I do feel like um, – you know he, he's he's going to get those questions pretty much every year uh, now, um, just like he did this year. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Do you think if we get a, a report on the length of the deal at some point, 
Do you think it's fair or, or just kind of, I mean, this? I'm asking you to just get into Andy Reid's head here as somebody who, you know, sees and talks to him uh, on a regular basis in, in that setting. But do, do you think it's fair to say that Andy Reid would not sign an extension that would extend beyond when he would plan to keep coaching? Like if, if he signs a deal that ends up extending him through 2027, is it fair to assume that that is currently how long he hopes to be coaching? Because that's, that's kind of where I'm starting from, but I don't know if that's putting too much credit or if the Chiefs would say, hey, we'll sign you to 2060 just so you know you're going to be here as long as you want to be here the key word here is uh, that you hit on is hope um you know i I can't imagine andy reed would sign a long-term deal the chiefs would sign a long-term deal um for him if the plan wasn't for him to coach that long but plans change as we know and um i i think uh you know he's he's getting to that age, and maybe you need to look at him on more of a year-to-year basis. And I'm not suggesting he's going to leave at the end of one more year or two more years. Or, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him to coach for a long time because, uh, you know, talking to a lot of people about Andy Reid, they talk about how he still loves the the, the day-to-day grind, not just the the game day, not just hidden lifts of just those 17 or 20 or 21 game days for the Chiefs. He lives. He loves the. the every part of the job you know he loves the grind of of uh this time of year and and he likes the otas and he, he likes he loves training camp and he loves putting together playbooks and game plans so i you know you, you look at what he's got with the chiefs he's got stable and and uh, supportive ownership in clark hunt he's got a a bright uh, creative general manager in brett veach he's got a general generational quarterback maybe the best ever to play the game i, I don't know what else he really wants so uh you don't walk away from jobs like this unless you are just you really want to get out of it and i don't i've talked to nobody who senses he's anywhere close to that point so we'll see but uh yeah i I do think that is a a good sign for at least what they're planning if this is you say four or five years at least and you just you touched on so many of the things that i keep going back to also which is that if Andy Reid still loves coaching, which no one would argue in any way whatsoever, if Andy Reid still loves coaching, why would he leave during perhaps the most fun and certainly the most stable and certainly the the period with the highest ceiling throughout not just his career, maybe any NFL career? Like this might be the yeah. Andy Reid has everything from the owner to the 53rd guy on the roster, to the PR team, to whoever, like Andy Reid has, has sort of built this thing in his image, right? And and now he has the quarterback who can help him execute all of the, the imaginative offensive stuff that, that maybe he couldn't do when he was drawing on napkins 25 years ago. Yeah, and I'll say this about Andy Reid. I don't know that he's as concerned about his legacy and how he's going to be remembered and, and being the best of all time. I don't know if, I'm not saying none of that is important. Uh, it's not important to him, but I don't know if it is in the sense it would be to other people. Mm. But I, I can tell you this, um, you know, talk just from talking to people, you know, they, they all wonder, okay, let's just say Andy Reid did retire. What would he do with his time? What would he do with his days? He, he's not a golfer or a hunter or a fisher or any of that, any of that stuff. So he, he's a football coach. And I don't know if you remember, Josh, he said something on the eve of right around the time training camp started last year. Um, somebody asked him, hey, what, what did you do on your vacation right before camp started? And he goes, well, I, I worked. I mean, I looked at plays and, you know, I, I, you know, and some people like to read novels. I like to, I like to watch plays. And I I thought that that gives you a big insight. Andy Reid doesn't give you a, a, a big peek into inside a lot, but I thought that one was a big one. And, and 
And, you know, I, I do know that when, boy, when he left Philadelphia, there were a lot of his uh, friends um, it, it, urging him to sit out for a year, just recharge, mm-hmm. just get back into it next year if, if you want. And he told him, no, he wanted to get back into it. He had the energy and he was ready to go and, and um, you know, was more worried about himself outside of football than he was inside of football. And, and um, so, you know, now it's, it's 11 years later now, so things can certainly change. But I, I think that offers you a little peek into um, maybe what Andy Reid's thinking here. That's such a good point and such a good thing to call back to because you're right. I mean, not only did he not take the year off, it's not like he ended up in Kansas City because the Chiefs already had Alex Smith or they already had a stable general manager or that the situation was like too good to pass up. This was a horrible situation. I mean, the, the best thing Andy Reid got in that in that trade off was was Clark Hunt having the the vision for Andy Reid and and the foresight to know that that he would be the guy to to, to help turn this team around. But if there was a time for Andy Reid to take a year off, that would have been the one that would have made the most sense. Yeah, to walk into this situation the way it was. I mean, the Chiefs had you know the first draft pick in the year, uh, draft that year, but still, it, it didn't yield a quarterback or another big playmaker. It yielded a tackle who was a good but not great player. Um, it's to, for him to go into that situation. I mean, I thought he was crazy. I mean, I really did at the time. I thought, what what can he possibly see here? I mean, the Chiefs had some good young players. You know, the Eric Berries and the Derek Johnsons and the Tom Bahalis and Jamal Charles. You know, from one to six, not counting quarterbacks, from one to five or six. If you're looking at rosters around the league, Chiefs were pretty high up there. But then when you look at quarterback and then six to fifty-three, Chiefs were one of the worst teams in the league. So there wasn't a whole lot here. He had to change what had really become a rotten culture uh, around here and and he really did a his energy in doing that was amazing to me particularly coming off a really tough year in philadelphia and um and so i i put nothing past the guy i really don't i i think uh you know he, he's got the will to coach for a long time I think that is an absolutely great look back down memory lane and also can bring us back to talking about Brett Veach. Obviously, it was John Dorsey in that first wave, and I don't know if, if any of that will, will come to the surface for you talking about what's made this relationship work. But in that same report from Tom Pelissero, you mentioned that uh, Brett Veach is also in line for a new deal that would replace the final two years on the contracts the duo signed following the 2019 season after that first Super Bowl win. Um, anything on the long-term view with Brett Veach? Obviously, you, you win three Super Bowls in five years, and I think it's probably fair to get another contract extension. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's more than fair. Um, so, yeah, he, he's uh, earned it, and, uh, you know, one of the best in the game. Um, you know, look at the moves the Chiefs have made. It's not just Mahomes. There's been a lot else that's happened here that's uh, you know, contributed to what – the Chiefs have going on. So, um, you know, absolutely. And he's another guy who, who loves the grind and loves football. I, I remember talking to somebody, you know, he played in college. He was a wide receiver at um, University of Delaware. And I remember talking to one of his coaches who told me the story that after one of Brett Veach's last, after his last game, his very last game, you know, he, he knew he wasn't going on and playing in the pros and, and all that. And he, he was crying in the corner of the locker room because he knew he was taken off a football uniform for the last time. And that tells you a little bit about Brett Veach and how important this kind of stuff is. He, he didn't get to play, but he's doing in his mind the next best thing. And he's doing it at an unbelievable level.
And what else can you say about the relationship between Brett Veach and Andy Reid, how, how that has become sort of the battery, if you will, of the, the, the brain of this Chiefs front office in a way that seems to me very successfully collaborative in the, in the, in the things that each of them do and don't want to do? Yeah, and you know one of the strengths of uh, that Brett Feech has, in my opinion, he's he's able to figure out what his head coach and the head coach's coaching staff is looking for in a player, and and so the, the Chiefs don't miss a whole lot in that in those terms. You know, it's not to say everybody uh, they they draft or everybody they sign works out well for them, but. Um, they they do such a great job just not 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 of identif- just identifying talent but okay how is this guy going to fit in with Steve Spagnolo or with Matt Nagy or with Andy Reid and they they do they're they're the best at that and uh, that's a big secret to their success I mean I just remember the days when Chiefs would draft a guy after say the the, the fourth from the fourth round on and you you, you just knew that the chances were overwhelming this guy was never going to be a player for the Chiefs. They, they, they didn't have a plan for the guy. Who knows whether he had the skills to begin with. And, and so uh, it just it rarely worked out. And it was more luck that it, when it did work out. But, uh, you know, now it's not that way. I mean, you, you pay attention when the Chiefs draft into the, well, into the seventh round because <laughs> you don't know if this guy could be the next Isaiah Pacheco. He, he very well could uh, might be. That 2022 draft class is unbelievable, and it's yeah. it's such a uh, an interesting point, Adam, of knowing what the coaching staff is looking for, translating to needing to know what the day three picks look like. Because you're you're 100 right. For so long, the the day three picks was like, all right, we're throwing darts, and like five of these guys who get drafted will be future all pros somewhere in the league, but most of these guys you'll never hear from again. And when you go through, and again, they're they're not not every single pick is an absolute home run in the third day of drafting but go to 2022 joshua williams could be a starting corner this year darian Kennard won't be of course he's in philly now jalen watson is a huge role player if not a starter isaiah pacheco obvious nazi johnson was getting some training camp love um even this year when they have keandre coburn is gone already bj thompson never really played nick jones started getting some love and shamari connor looks like a real player shamari connor and legarius sneed are fourth round picks i mean those those are hugely valuable hits that that Veach seems to have one or two of every year. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember the days where it was a tug of war between the coaching staff and the uh, the scouting department and the and the GM and and um, you know the, there were players who were brought in who the coach didn't want. I mean that that was not a, you know a once in a long, you know blue moon kind of thing. I mean that happened a lot back in the day, and, and it, so it's no wonder these uh, you know these players a lot of times just didn't work out and. Uh, you know, it's just incredible how the Chiefs have, have, have been able to mesh that and kind of take it the other direction. And, um, you know, among the other things that should be the envy um, that, that, that other teams in the league should envy about the Chiefs, that's one of them, their ability to find guys so late in the draft or, or lower-level free agent-type guys like Drew Tranquil and Mike Edwards and, and, and make them into contributing players on championship teams. And I just, I shouldn't be surprised by any of that, but I don't understand how an NFL team could be anything resembling functional while having that problem. <laughs> like, if your front yeah. office and coaching staff aren't on the same page, what, how do you do yeah. that? No, I, I'm with you, and um, you'd be surprised how much of a tug-of-war there is 
behind the scenes in the NFL. That that is uh, it, it's a tough thing to achieve. It really is. And um, uh, yeah, you know, of, of all the things Andy Reid did when he came to the Chiefs, I think this is the most underappreciated and maybe his greatest gift of all. And that is, he got everybody to pull in the same direction, mm. and that is an, an unbelievable and underrated talent. If you can do that with a diverse group of people and get them all to buy in and all to be behind you and, and be, be behind the, the greater good, it, it really is a great gift. And, and to me, that is the most incredible thing that he has done. I mean, you remember he won his first nine games off a team that went 2-14. and 14. He got people to buy in right away, like immediately. You know, and they played a weak schedule. I know all that. That was a you know a weird year and all that. But still, to win nine games after you went two and fourteen, after the the horrible stretch that the Chiefs were coming out of there, where they they had six years where they didn't win. I think four seasons with four fewer wins. I mean, that was just amazing what he's done. And and he, so I, I think a lot of that is on Andy Reid that he is just able to to pull everybody in the same direction. And um, it, it truly is a, a phenomenon. I, I think that's a great thing to take a look at, especially when like that wasn't that wasn't this Andy Reid. Like when 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 you talk about guys that maybe the Chiefs have taken off a draft board because they're not sure that that they'd be good fits for this Chiefs team. This is now an Andy Reid with Super Bowls, plural. Like 2013 <laughs> was Andy Reid couldn't win the big game. It was good coach, nice guy, but but flamed out in Philly. Exactly, exactly. So if he's going to get that kind of buy-in at that point, I mean, I'm looking at him. If I'm coming into this program, I look at his, you know, his fistful of hardware now, and I'm yeah. like, okay, whatever you say, coach, I'm 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 doing it. The, it's really it's incredible and another amazing thing about where this team is at. Uh, Adam, let's we'll take a quick timeout. I want to come back and uh, pick your brain on a couple pending free agents. As we may get a little bit of news here as uh, the combine happens and agents and players and teams start talking, even though that legally definitely isn't happening yet. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that real quick on the other side of the break. Adam Teicher of ESPN continues with us next here in the zone. On here with Adam Teicher of ESPN here in the zone. I'm Josh Briscoe, Jason Anderson back tomorrow. Adam's brought to you by Twin Peaks. Enjoy your next lunch break with Twin Peaks. Uh, Adam, we, we took a little look down memory lane talking about uh, the, the ways that Andy Reid brought this team to where it is now in light of the reports that he and Brett Veach are in line for contract extensions. But now I want to talk about contracts that may or may not be coming for members of the team, you know, who who wear the shoulder pads on Sunday. Um, I, I have to imagine we're getting pretty close to crunch time in the franchise tag window. Uh, I know we've been talking about this now for a little bit because these are big moves the team has to figure out. But as we stand here now on February 27th, and with Legarius Sneed's number being lower, we also saw since last time we talked the salary cap hop up even a little further than most projections. Uh, anything new in your eyes about where the, the tag stands right now between Chris Jones, Legarius Sneed, or maybe not using it at all? Yeah, um, no, not you know we still got a little ways to go. Not till next week do they have that deadline. So um, you know we'll need to keep an eye on that. But you know I keep coming back to one thing. You know with so many of their higher priced players, and I'm including uh, mainly here um, Tyreek Hill and um, uh, 
Orlando Brown, but with the, the Chiefs have drawn a line in the sand and say, okay, this is how far we're going we're willing to go, and we're not going to go any farther. And actually, the, you can throw Chris Jones into that onto that list because the Chiefs went to that point with him last year. They would not give him a long term contract extension that that he wanted. So, uh, you know, the Chiefs have done it for Mahomes, but we I think everybody sort of agrees that's a team friendly contract. They have given. Travis Kelsey a big contract. I think we can all uh, um, realize that that's a team-friendly contract. So the Chiefs aren't afraid to walk on guys, and that's something that you shouldn't forget at this point here. Um, they, um, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do in either of these cases. So I, I know I did talk to Brett Veach before the, a few days before the Super Bowl out in Las Vegas, and he was saying, hey, we're, we understand the challenges of bringing both these guys back, but we're, we're going to try. So, um, I, I, so I, don't, I don't, you know, I don't put a passenger to figure something out that they can do that. But um, don't don't underappreciate or, or don't consider the fact that uh, um, that that the Chiefs might walk on both of them and say, okay, we've uh, we've been preparing to lose Jerry Sneed by drafting four corners last year, including one in the first round who had a great season, and uh, we drafted another one last year, and and. Um, um, and see where they, this thing is headed without Legarius Sneed. Now, with, without Chris Jones, boy, that's uh, wow. I, I, it's <laughs> tough to picture a long-term Chiefs defense without Chris Jones. But um, you know, maybe the Chiefs uh, have a plan in place uh, to do that if they can't uh, get what they uh, get a deal that they're comfortable with there. That line of thinking made me laugh, just kind of thinking out loud there, because I've done that so many times, man, being like, well, you know, they, 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 they'll walk when the contracts get too expensive, and that's a good trait for a team to have, and they got all these corners, and I love Legereus Snee, but they can, they can make this work. Now, without Chris Jones, oh, no, <laughs> oh, dear, this defensive line is, I mean, obviously, if, if Chris Jones walks, they will spend some money to bolster the defensive line, but right now, the D-line without, without Chris Jones is like, Felix and Udike Uzama and George Karloftis and uh, Neil Farrell, I think. I, I, they might have to move to a 3-4 because they only have three defensive linemen. Um, I uh, I don't know, man. I, I have a hard time envisioning the three-peat without Chris Jones in a way that I don't necessarily feel the same way about Legereus Sneed, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I do. And, um, you know, I think those both those guys are, are important to the Chiefs. Here's the thing you got to remember that I try not to forget. I mean, it, it's easy to say – Boy, the Chiefs are in trouble if they don't bring back um, Jerry Sneed, or boy, they're in trouble if they don't bring back Snead, Chris Jones. They're going to be different defensively next year, regardless of what mm-hmm. they do. Even mm-hmm. if they bring those guys back, it's not going to be quite the same. I'm not suggesting necessarily they can't be very good again defensively, but it's going to be different. And and so you have to understand that that uh, you know that. Um, Sometimes you got to do things like this to help yourself grow, and and uh, yeah, it's hard to see how the Chiefs are going to grow at all without Chris Jones, or, or maybe without Legarius Sneed. But uh, sometimes these things are necessary. I, mean, I thought it was a big mistake to let Tyron Matthew go two years ago. Mm-hmm. So how does that uh, did that take age very well um, <laughs> in, in the two years since? I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, it, it's not. You know, these guys have a pretty good grip on what it takes and what guys do. And uh, certainly you don't want to lose either one of those guys, but I don't necessarily think it's gloom and doom if they don't bring either one of them back. 
if if I make you put on a little uh, a little prognostication hat, no no reporting and no no definitive odds setting here, but what do you think is the most likely outcome for Chris Jones and Legarius Need individually? Like if you just just the best chance of any of those things happening, tag playing it out, letting them walk, a trade for Legarius Need, perhaps long term extensions, et cetera. Well, it's too expensive with Chris Jones on the franchise tag. I mean, that's $32 million. That that really handicaps where they want to think the other things they want to do this year. So it's hard to see that. And, and so with Jones, it's to me, it's either a long-term deal or bust. And, you know, I think it makes in this. I think it makes no sense, and more importantly, it appears that the Chiefs believe in what I'm about to say here. It makes no sense for the Chiefs to sign to um, not sign Chris Jones to give. They failed to give Chris Jones the contract he wanted last year. Why would they do it this year? Mm-hmm. That makes no sense at all to say, ah, okay, what, what did they see from Chris Jones last year that they hadn't seen before? I mean, he's a great player, had a great year. He's a very valuable team. They knew that last year. Why would you be comfortable giving him that contract now when you wouldn't, weren't comfortable giving him that contract last year? So, I, I, to me, with Chris Jones, it's long-term contract or he's out of here. And then, it, so to me, it becomes a point of what is, you know, it, what is Chris Jones willing to take? Is he willing to compromise his asking price and, and um, you know, work with the Chiefs here? Does he want what he wanted last year? If he wants what he wanted last year, I don't see a deal happening here, um, though it certainly could. Um, now, with Snead, that's a different story. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at, he certainly he's not nearly as expensive on the franchise tag. What only about nineteen million? Mm-hmm. So you can keep him around and still do some other things while maybe you do work on a long term deal. I mean, if you were to draw up the perfect Steve Spagnolo cornerback, wouldn't it be Lejarius Sneed? Yeah. You know, wouldn't it be a guy who who is a great cover guy, but but loves the physical part of the game? I mean, he's a full service corner. He's not just mm-hmm. a a cover guy. I mean, he plays the game the way. The Chiefs, at this point in time, certainly want their cornerbacks to play the game. So, uh, you know, he's a valuable guy, um, um, and um, it's just a question of how far the Chiefs want to go in in keeping him around. Full service corner is a great way of describing the Jarius Sneed. I will be, I'll be borrowing that. He's he's not uh, Marcus Peters. No. Uh, okay, he's not. <laughs> and we love Marcus Peters in this house. I I will die on that hill. I have I have actually died on that hill many times, and uh, I've never learned my lesson. But you're a hundred percent right. It's the physicality. It's the the hands at the line of scrimmage. It's also this is we're in the weeds on Legarius Sneed now. But but like the things he did to Tyreek Hill in the cold to make Tyreek Hill kind of not not that he like disappeared. But Tyreek Hill got tired of playing against Legarius Sneed, and Tyreek Hill's never tired of anything ever. That th- th- that quality of him being able to wear down number one wide receivers, Stefan Diggs was done at halftime, it seemed like. That's an amazing thing. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I was going to say, and you put that perfectly, Tyrone, Tyreek Hill got tired of playing against him. A lot of guys get tired of playing <laughs> against him. So uh, I don't think you can underestimate how important that is. So... Uh, to me, boy, it would be really – it's tough to walk on either one of those guys, but Snead is just like the quintessential corner for what the Chiefs are looking for right now. Man, like almost nothing would surprise me at this point. I would love to see them stick around. Uh, but also, you, you've got to be smart with those long-term deals. 
do you think that there's anything because the three peat is on the table? Do you think we might get anything, even like small procedural stuff, different from Clark Hunt? The the Chiefs have been lower in cash spending than a lot of their peers the last few years. They've been pretty high up against the cap and everything, so it's not like he's you know pinched every penny. But in terms of restructuring Mahomes, that would cost more cash up front, or uh, giving a big signing bonus to a, a Chris Jones, or franchise tagging, or or trying to extend Legarius Sneed with a bigger number up front. Is there is there a little bit of a different error at Arrowhead in your eyes at this point in terms of the Chiefs maybe being willing to push it a little further to try to make history, or are they going to just treat it like another season? No, I think they'll treat it like another season. Um, you know, cash is kind of a, a little bit of an obstacle for the Chiefs, not not a huge one, but uh, you know they are a small market team, and their the revenue that they get is not quite what it is in some other places. So, you know, there is that to consider, and um, you know, that, that's a big reason why the Chiefs don't take a, you know, that huge hunk of Mahomes' contract every year and say, ah, we're just going to go ahead and uh, make this into a bonus and, and uh, um, you know, just pay him right away and, and, and do it that way. That, that's a big reason why. So cash is a consideration. And here's another thing that I think is important to remember with the Chiefs. They have been very – tried to be very careful about not going all in on one year at the expense of any other year down the road. They may want to maximize this time and not just win three in a row, but you know maybe win four in a row or maybe five in a row or five out of six or whatever that is. So um, I, it would go against everything the Chiefs have – the way the Chiefs have operated – really up to this point under Brett Veach to sort of push all their chips into the middle of the table and say, yeah, we want that three-peat and 2025 be damned. I mean, they, they don't, I don't see them operating that way. No, I think that's right, and I, I wonder. I wonder if there's an if it is just like the Mahomes restructure that gives them a little bit of breathing room without fully, you know, damning 2025 and beyond. Uh, but I, I certain, and I like that they have that view. If they didn't have that view, Adam, they might have gone back to back in 19 and 20, and that might have yeah. been the only two Super Bowls we saw for five or ten years. I mean, yeah. that that view has has served them very very well. Yeah, no, I agree, and I I would think that kind of ride is more fun with the fans, where you yeah. are a legitimate Super Bowl contender every year, and there's no rebuilding or step backs or anything like that. I think what the Chiefs have done here in doing this, in being competitive the way they've done it, is is really remarkable. That they've uh, they have not had to you know rip things up and and tear up their plans for any given year because they've been able to keep this thing on an even keel. Yeah, it's uh, it's been all right with me. I've enjoyed covering it. So if they want to keep that pace up, uh, it's it's good with me. Um, w- real quick on on the uh, the free agents who aren't Legarius Sneed or Chris Jones, I I thought, and, and this is just this is me like paying attention to the rest of the NFL for the last two weeks or whatever, but. I was really thinking that there was a chance the Chiefs might try to survive the Mike Dana market to bring him back because it seems like he he is so valuable to what the Chiefs like to do. Now I've started seeing some other contract um, uh, expectations and projections for Mike Dana, and they have completely taken the Chiefs out of that realm if some of those projections are right. Do you have any feel on on him and what the Chiefs' value might be or, or what his market might turn into? Yeah, no, I don't right now. Although he's going to get a, he's going to get some good money. I mean, I, I really believe that. Whether it's with the Chiefs or somewhere else, it's still a little early to know the other part of it. But I, you know, 
there was all this talk when the, the NFL announced the salary cap last week, and it's up to $255 million, and boy, that really helps the Chiefs. Well, yeah, it does, but it's a double-edged sword. I mean, it, it's increased the market for everybody, including guys like Mike Dana. I mean, what that move did was make it more difficult to sign guys like Mike Dana and really everybody else. I mean, throw Legarius Sneed. I mean, if I'm him, I'm thinking I just got a raise um, when the salary cap went up to 255. So, uh, you know, it's hard to juggle all this stuff. And, yeah, Mike Dana is. He plays a lot of positions, does a lot of good things for the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, he'd be a hard guy to lose, I think. I mean, the the Chiefs drafted him in the fifth round, got a ton of value out of him on his rookie contract. But it's his time now, and uh, I I would understand if he wants to walk and and take uh, a bigger contract somewhere else. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a lot of how the Chiefs feel about these guys is going to be revealed in the next few weeks when we uh, see how how they, uh, what, what kind of offers they make to them. Then uh, is it fair to say at this point, i got the list of free agents in front of me. I mean, it's the big guys, Dana, Willie Gay, who's already kind of said his goodbyes, um, Derek Nottie, Mike Edwards, Derek McKinnon, the, uh, Donovan Smith, and then the guy who I haven't mentioned yet. Do you think it's fair to say that Drew Tranquil is going to be the like top priority in-house free agent outside of Jones and Snead? It, it seems to me like there's no reason for, for Drew Tranquil to not be back next year, and I'm just hoping that you'll tell me that I'm right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think he'll come back. I think he really, really appreciates what he had here this year. I don't think his time with the Chargers was what he hoped it would be, and I don't think he enjoyed the culture out there. Maybe that had a lot to do with the since-departed head coach. I don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, um, I, I think he really enjoys it here. So I think that is maybe a guy who would take a little bit less to stay with the Chiefs. So, yeah, I think there is a good chance that he comes back, um, but um, you know, we'll see. We'll, uh, but particularly if Willie Gay leaves, which we obviously all think he will at this point, that maybe uh, they'll make a bigger priority out of Drew Tranquil. I hope they do. I'd like to, to see him still out there being able to do literally pretty much anything that Spag seems to ask him to do uh, in, in the middle of that defense. Uh, Adam, I appreciate your time as always, and I'm, I'm not trying to do a whole bunch of uh, enormous goodbyes over the next couple of days, but it has been an absolute treat getting to, uh, to know you and work with you over many, many years. I'm not dying. I'm not disappearing. I, I'm sure I will see you hopefully uh, maybe grab some pizza in St. Joe when it gets real hot again, but uh, always a pleasure and uh, great to talk to you again today as always. The pizza's on me. The beer is on you. But hey, Josh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna miss you, buddy. Uh, all the best down the road, and uh, it's tough to see you go. Hey, listen, I appreciate it, and I'll I'll pick up the tab on that one. Appreciate you, Adam Teicher of ESPN. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Enjoy your next lunch break with Twin Peaks. We'll take a time out. Thanks again to Adam Teicher of ESPN. We'll go ESPN to ESPN here in a little bit as Myron Medcalf will be joining us here in about 10 minutes in town uh, working on some stuff for ESPN.com and uh, hoping to have him join us in studio today, which will be uh, a real treat. Also, while uh, we were catching up with Adam, the Chiefs had their their, uh, media availability at the NFL Combine. Andy Reid talked for a while, uh, and Brett Veach talked for a while. The the Andy Reid clips just through my eyes were 
not terribly newsworthy or newsbreaking, at least what I was able to see in here. But Brett Veach had a few things uh, that very much pertains to those conversations we were just having with Adam. Um, let's go ahead and just start with the one that I think is the most noteworthy. A few of them are interesting, but this one um, feels like borderline news, news but not necessarily surprising news, where uh, Brett Veach was asked about you know the Chiefs trying to negotiate two big deals simultaneously. He had talked a little bit about Chris Jones and Legarius Sneed before being asked about this question. And uh, the big the big news here is in this clip, as, as Veach was asked, about trying to, to manage both of these deals and seeing if you can get either of them done before the franchise tag deadline. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, certainly. Um, that's always... Um, a stress. You'd like to be able to tag all the guys and pay all the guys, and it's tough because the more you win, I mean, the more you got to pay players. And obviously, when you have this amount of success, you're, you're paying a lot of players a lot of money, and then it's equally as tough because you're drafting late. So there's challenges. Um, we'll go through them, and we'll always put our best foot forward. Certainly, want to do what we can to try to keep both those players, and that's going to be our goal and intent. Uh, hopefully, we're able to figure something out, um, but. Every free agency is different, unique, and crazy. And so, but our, you know, it, we do have one tag, and I anticipate probably using it uh, to help us. But I think our goal is to try to get both those players done and then work down the rest of our roster. Now, look, again, this is prime lying season. This is smokescreen season, all of those things. But the, the thing that I don't mind taking as real news there is something that Veach said because. We are all expecting it. The Chiefs are, at this point, planning on probably using the franchise tag on somebody. Well, as we just talked about with Adam, Legereus Sneed's franchise tag is going to be just under $20 million, as opposed to Chris Jones's because of the escalating rules of how that works when it ends up being a you know, percentage of your salary the year prior. His would be in the low 30s. I think what what Brett Veach is laying out there is what I have expected to be true for a while. I'm expecting, still and even more so, I'm expecting the Chiefs to franchise tag Legereus Sneed, and then they will have the wiggle room of working out that long-term deal as long as they need to. And if it gets to a point where Sneed's just not taking the, the, the money that they're offering there... The Chiefs have two feasible options. They could get to training camp or into it a little bit and realize like, oh, this isn't this isn't coming together. Or more realistically, you tag them before March 5th and then you have a month leading up to the draft, a month and a half, almost two months. And if you get close to the draft and you realize with Legereus Sneed, oh, we might be further apart on a long-term deal than we thought here. Then the Chiefs have two viable options. Have him play out the tag, kick that can down the road, and then there you risk maybe him leaving in just unrestricted free agency next year because he'd be a double-tag guy. Or you make the move to trade your franchise-tagged player at that time. I asked uh, Verderam yesterday what he thought might be a a reasonable return for Legereus Sneed. Sorry for the long pause. I had to. I might do it again. Legereus Sneeze. Just a little treat for the video watchers. But if you... 
if you get an offer leading up to the draft, and you hear Veach mention there also the challenges that come with always picking late, and now at this point the Chiefs are down a draft pick. I can't remember what round it was we went through it yesterday, but they're missing a fifth or a sixth, and, and they don't have anything else replacing that. You do have a way of rebuilding your roster in a cost-controlled way through the draft. Acquiring more picks that way is a great way to do that. Also, Legereus Sneed is an elite player, and as we just talked about with Adam, Sneed is built in a lab for Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, and in a way where I think his game will age perhaps more gracefully than some other corners do when, when they end up getting paid. All of that still revolves around one good thing on the Snead side and one bad thing on the Jones side for the Chiefs. The good news is that they have options around Legereus Snead, and the bad news is they don't really have a lot of options for Chris Jones. At this point, I can't see Chris Jones, and, and more accurately, the Cats brothers, his agents, I can't see them agreeing to a deal with the Chiefs before free agency opens because you're here now. If you're not going to get tagged, and maybe maybe the Chiefs want to get a Sneed deal done so they can leverage potentially tagging Jones, and they say, hey, if we move all that Mahomes money down the line, then we'll just go ahead and we'll just go ahead and pay Chris Jones, and, and we'll, we'll find a way to make that math work under the cap. It would be very difficult, and it would be a lot of money. It would be doable, I'm sure, but it would... It would be a bit. It seems the most likely that they tag Legereus Sneed and continue to negotiate there. You essentially have until the draft to decide, is a trade something we actually want to, to explore, what the return would be there? And if not, let's just try to figure out the long-term deal and, and figure out where, where Sneed's market lines up. Like Verderam said yesterday, the numbers that, that Verderam had heard about Legereus Sneed seemed really low was 3 for 45 or 4 for 50 from two different agents that Verderham talked to. If Legereus Sneed signs $15 million a year, the Chiefs should run, not walk to that. That's an easy one. Go ahead and pair him with Trent McDuffie. You'll pay McDuffie around the time that deal's winding up. That's perfect. Ultimately, similarly, unsurprisingly, Chris Jones is the thing we just don't know. I don't really know what his agents want. I know what he said he wanted on the stage at Union Station after the parade. I, I know how it's been talked about last offseason. And at this point, I think the only foolish thing to do is to assume you know how the Chris Jones saga is going to ultimately pan out. I think the Chiefs want him. Don't think they're going to tag him, which means a lot of options still lay in front of the Chiefs in free agency.